Our, uh, our local sales guy just had a baby, so it's like almost the same thing in terms of like timing and everything. So it was good because we're dealing with like people being out and whatnot. It's like honestly, if you were gonna have a baby, like now's the time to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he went by the company fertility chart that says if you have it now, <laughs> it'll be right at the slow season. But uh, and the baby's the Vince baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, uh, the model. <laughs> That's a fucking company, man, baby. Uh. I'm in the in history. Yeah, it's free. Oh my it's god, a- yeah, just refuse. <laughs> How long have you guys been in the Illuminati? Is that a recent thing or is it like always forever? You're born into it, baby. Mm. Not figured. Mm. <laughs> but I've been recording um, oh, for what it's worth. So this is the part we're going to put you know? up is this yeah. first 15 minutes. <laughs> uh, yeah, where do you want to start? Want to start with coffee, which is what brings us here today? What brings us here today, absolutely. First, want to start with the introductions. Yeah, that's probably good. That's probably good. It's a great place to start. I'll um, seed. But thank you guys for taking the time. We're back with Vince Tercy for round number two, and a man who has helped me, and I have looked up to very much, Mike Semenik, doing the tandem, the dynamic duo, sitting down with us, the boys from Dissolver. Thanks for taking the time, boys. Uh, yeah, thanks for having us. It's it's uh, more than a pleasure to finally be on the show. Uh, Hell yeah. Um, Asheville, ever since we talked, just as a little aside, the, the way you described it and where you guys are both like true New England East Coast, like transplants like me, and hearing you talk about Asheville and kind of like put it on the list as something to look into more. And then recently, another person we had on the podcast, Phil Casella from Trillium, popped down there to go to Burial. And I've been waiting for all of this to kind of settle down, for the world of travel to get back to it again. I really think Asheville might be one of my my first trips I take as as everything kind of settles. Uh, I got a guest room, so it's got your name on it. I'll be crashing, yeah. baby. I'll be crashing. They the got Robinson like those sweet, those eighty dollar <laughs> flights out of uh, Boston there down to right into Asheville Airport too. So I there's cheap. I, I really cheap. have gone as far as looking. There's wicked cheap flights to to Asheville. Yeah, eighty dollars. Like, yeah, they're trying to yeah. sweeten the pot right now. Wow. It was like fifty four to fly home for Christmas, but I booked <laughs> I booked the flight backwards, so I actually had to rebook, and it was significantly more expensive. <laughs> like I booked as if I was flying get you from on the rebooking yeah. fees. <laughs> yeah. That's tough. But the reason, really, the reason we find ourselves here today was um, was actually you, Vince, reaching out to us, talking to Noah about coffee yeah. as an adjunct and brewing with it. So I thought it's kind of a cool of you to reach out and kind of, I think Noah hit, saw the the opportunity immediately and was like, hey, you want you want to talk about it on some microphones? And uh, <laughs> we find ourselves sitting here today. So I think that's a great place to start. Yeah, yeah Absolutely. I- Go for it. Sorry. Uh, y'all were talking about, um, what'd you really second crack? I think was the name yeah. of it. And, uh, yeah, Noah, your comment of like, Hey, we've been paying close attention to how we treat beers with coffee and we've done all these barrel aged beers. But honestly, I think that like out of the stouts that we released, the second crack is probably the best one. And that struck a pretty hard chord. Cause if you can get that coffee balance just right, it can totally change a beer and add so much depth to it. So I was like, I was just super interested in what you did with the coffee that really made it sing. Well, um, 
this is exactly what I want from guests for them to actually pose me well said uh, <laughs> questions and for me to opine. Like that's that's what I'm laughing. How the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> also, I literally could take some pointers from you on how to ask a question. That was very well done. Very concise. Real um, bag. Yeah. I'll bag say first. One. I think you're you're probably giving me more credit than I should have in terms of like. How wide our breadth of experimentation has been. Um, we don't use coffee all that much, so it. Uh, I think a big part of this was just the in, like the higher ABV lending itself to extraction a little better on some level. I don't know really that science. You know, like home brewers, obviously you're always like, all right, you know, put up, crush your seeds, and then soak them in some some tequila to both sanitize and like so like. <laughs> And extract, and I don't really know when you're talking with a 9% beer how much of that is really happening, but um, I think the whole, we it was a mix of whole bean and crushed um, and really short contact time, like right before transfer out of the fermenter. Um, and I, I think switching to a, like the company we worked with, the coffee shop has been great. Um, for doing like a kind of the equivalent of like a beer flight, you know, with coffee, with different, with what, whatever they have. Um, uh, obviously my coffee terminology is absolute dog shit, but whatever, <laughs> whatever they're, it's cupping. That's the name. It's cupping, yeah. which I don't really love that name to be perfectly honest. Um, and we switched to going like kind of committing to a dark roast this time for them. And cause I think like you can get caught up with all the nuance of like lighter roast when you're just tasting it as coffee, but like you don't want like citric coffee notes in a beer and they're always going to be far too subtle to translate into that anyway. I think maybe, but um, I'm un talking an uncomfortable amount. So I'd like to, I'd like you to um, <laughs> gonna stop it right there yeah. and ask you what beer uh, you, you were talking about, like a really concentrated mm. 10 yeah. pounds cold per bar extraction. barrel, I think <laughs> it was a lot. Uh, so we, uh, we've been messing around with coffee and beer for, I mean, I've been doing it since I started even homebrewing. I just, I love coffee and I love beer. And why would you not combine the two? Mm -hmm. And, uh, through trying to brew like different weird beers, I've gone through like Amber Ale, uh, Blonde Ale, Kolsch, Pilsner, whatever. And so with Dissolver, we do like a, we do a coffee pills every year. Um, we've done a couple different coffee beers cool. in terms of like stout. Um, we've infused, we made our own oat milk and then made cold brew concentrate with the oat milk instead of water. So we like infused oat milk with coffee and then injected that into a beer and that turned out pretty cool. So we've, we're like constantly trying to figure out different ways and different extraction methods to use coffee. But uh, we did an imperial stout, threw it into barrels. And I found a single barrel that had like the barrel kind of had maple coffee character. And mm -hmm. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to like, it was a little hot. So I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to blow it out. So we made super high concentrate cold brew it was like less than it was less than so it was five pounds two gallons so less than a half a gallon per pound which is like the mat kind of the maximum that you can get so then like after loss to the beans themselves i don't i think i i got less than five total gallons for 10 pounds 
Uh, but anyway, it was like a single barrel of beer. So it was like literally 10% of the volume with cold. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but then we hit it with like a little bit of maple and some sea salt and a little bit of coconut, uh, to kind of just like round it out and go crazy Mm -hmm. coffee shop with it. But I was super surprised. So I thought like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to really blow it out. I'm definitely going to have to blend in another barrel. Um, it's going to be too much. And I found that you can go crazy high volume with uh, like a medium roast, as long as you don't go too dark so you're not pulling too much acid um, mm-hmm. or, or uh, too much like char. You can go pretty high on uh, like the coffee scale in terms of volume, like literally 10% of an imperial stout. Yeah. Um, and so I was super interested in that, but we haven't done a whole lot of like whole bean. Did you just literally like crush beans and then throw whole beans also like right to the top of the FV? Everything was, I had to check with Paul today cause I couldn't remember exactly like what, but everything was bagged because for some reason I, I think we had talked about just throwing the whole beans indirectly, but either had been burnt in the past on that or decided against it. But um, yes, everything was bagged, but so the, it would have been like three and a half pounds. It was 70 pounds for 20 barrels. um, And like 40 pounds of that was just whole bean. And then the other 30 was, was like coarse crush, same, like same, coffee mm-hmm. and uh it was like about 48 hours of contact time and that was so i that's all i say about the i would much rather hear about your experimentation because i would i think you're definitely blowing me up uh of like uh, i heard that you know you uh you you tried coffee 200 different ways and this was the way <laughs> that is not the case at all i think we got i think we got really lucky with um a good coffee yeah. i think the coffee worked really well and Unfortunately, I'm not like just aware of coffee on that kind of like that's a layer below of granularness of like being able to really say anything definitively as to why. Um, But it was a it was a Guatemalan medium dark dark roast. So, you know, that should tell you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Anyway. uh, Yeah. So like night shift. um not to throw it way back, but right, I wasn't even thinking about that with Night Shift when I was like kind of getting to know you, uh, had some, and you were still there having some great coffee beers that, uh, that porter oh, yeah. in the can. Yeah. Um, Anna, uh, her partner was the now wife, I believe. It was the mm-hmm. rep for counterculture before she moved oh, over wow. to Pavement, I think. I'm not sure where she's at now, but anyway. We would just get uh, all of the counterculture beans all of the time. And it was like, oh, well, you know, make some coffee for yourself. If you're going to use it in beer, just give us some feedback on what you did and didn't like so that we can use this to help pocket to other breweries and help market ourselves a little bit better. And so it was like, okay, cool. What's the difference between like whole bean and crushed? What's the difference between a 70 degree steep and a 40 degree steep? What's the difference between high concentrate cold brew and normal strength cold brew. What's the difference between adding it in the whirlpool and boiling a little bit of it. So that was an interesting spot to start messing around with like, Oh, okay. These are the different things that you can get out of a coffee beer. And then, uh, like Mike and myself are pretty, pretty partial to naturally processed coffee, like super fruity. Mm -hmm. And so that's been like a very 
different path that we've specifically tried to hold to with dissolver beers. It's like almost all the coffee beers we've made have been either natural process or like a honey process, something that's like super extra fruity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the roaster we work with, uh, it's cooperative coffee roasters. Uh, it's very, very small team, just super focused on like bringing in all these interesting, uh, types of beans and just like very dedicated to, to giving us like high quality stuff. And it's yeah. like his only focus is roasting the beans too. So it's like, they have no plans of like starting a storefront or any of that. They're like, Beans only. We're going to roast them, give them to you. <laughs> All down the You're rabbit hole on and it's roasting like, oh, beans. Hell yeah. I'm like, but you could kill it if you opened a, like, a little. And it's like, no. Just roasting. It's about like, the beans, man. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That's, yeah. that's pretty That's pretty cool to hear, though, because we, a few episodes ago, uh, talked to like a man who's also very much about the beans. Um, and Has almost, a like, retail shop. But very much Almost about begrudgingly had a yeah, retail exactly. shop though because of yeah. it was just yeah it's a hard uh, hard field to sow like forever so that's cool that you have the that that relationship yeah that um, was the speckled X one right yeah. yeah 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 super interesting that was why I was like I think was that the episode you were talking about the coffee beer I don't know maybe not. Anyway, that it was all around. I was just then. like, oh, yeah. Noah's a coffee beer guy. I figured. I mean, <laughs> well, but to your point, Noah has a penchant for humility and, and all of that. And I, I don't know the technical details on that brewing side, but this beer kind of came out right around the time that Angels with Filthy Souls did for us. Yep. And from my kind of like just customer lens of work in the bar, like that's a big day for us every year. People come out and go crazy for it. And um, Justin is a one of the co-workers with us who has a really good palate and understands beer. And he kind of quietly came up to me like a day before the release. He's like, yo, have you tasted second crack? And I was like, yeah, I had it. I really liked it. He's like, he's like, I, th- I think I like it better than angels, like taste this thing. So we kind of tasted it together and, and had a moment of like really being mindful as we had it. And he's kind of good slowing me down to not just like taste it so I can talk like, like fucking taste this thing, dude, this tastes great. And I had a, I had a gentleman call me like beer trader guy. who was talking about Matt's like, trying I, to break into the beer trading game. Just yeah, so you know. so <laughs> I'm learning, I'm learning my ropes here, but it, this guy started <laughs> dropping like how many cases of bourbon County he buys and like I'm measuring it against this and that whole thing. Right. So he shows up and, me and Justin had kind of gotten into this little thing during Angel's Day of like, hey, I can give you this and this, but have you fucking tried second crack? Like, please try one. <laughs> Sell this guy a second crack. He somehow he has my number and like calls me the next day. He's like, I will take five cases of that. Oh. And it's over the moon about second crack. And it kind of developed through the weekend that people that we know and really have good palates really fucking love that beer oh. on a day on a weekend where like, it's just angels day that blows everything out of the water. And to have this stout standing up with that was a really cool experience for us. Oh, um, yeah. Just say that to tell you my personal thing, as I hear Noah B just have a lot of humility about it. But for somebody who has been brewing with it and experimenting with it for so long, and maybe for like some of the home brewers listening, what are some of the big things that you've taken away in terms of like lessons learned and like how you look at brewing with coffee now? Oh, okay. So uh, the biggest thing for me is like, it depends on what you're trying to get out of 
the coffee beer, right? Like, are you only looking for flavor and aroma? Are you looking for just flavor? Um, literally just aroma. Do you want to just say it's a coffee beer? Like how much intensity of coffee flavor or aroma do you want? And then I would say like a good place to start is about a pound per barrel, which would be like an, a half an ounce for a gallon. Is my math oh, right? I'm sorry, dude. Homebrewers can do the math themselves. Uh, but it's, it's somewhere around there. And I've usually found, um, you do want to keep the beer a little on the colder side. If you are going to do whole bean or crushed, um, your extraction is going to be massively increased if you crush it because, uh, just increased surface area. So -hmm. if you're just going for like aroma, whole bean, if you're going for aroma and flavor, whole bean and crushed. And if you're literally just going for flavor, and you're not necessarily worried about aroma so much. Uh, I would say messing around with like a high concentrate cold brew injection would be really cool. We've had a lot of luck with that. And then the side part, the side note on one of the reasons why we do that is if you do a high concentrate cold brew, um, it's bacterial. It's stable, essentially. Like bacteria cannot grow because of the pH of the solution. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's not sterile, but it's significantly lower likelihood of an infection, which is pretty cool. Hell yeah. Kind of sterile in the same way like sour beer is. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, mean, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, like in terms of fending off like unwanted, yes. uh, y- yeah, unwanted things from growing. Oh, um, no, yes, I, I just realized thought about first, it like that sounded that. like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think like, I think the thing I'm most curious about with it because that that's all super interesting. It's got me thinking. I think the whole bean part, I, doing a higher ratio of that with the dark roast, I can't pinpoint it, but it there's a mouthfeel component that that brought. Um, and where you right, you probably are, it, and it's not with like a, what the level I'd expect of because the because like mouthfeel, like luscious mouthfeel coffee flavor in and of itself almost go uh right against each other in terms of like tannic roast and then like fullness and something about the whole is whole bean marries marries it i think i don't think it would be good on its own but the the mouthfeel the mouthfeel things the only thing i keep coming back to well it's like a you can keep, you can increase the aroma of the the beer by using whole bean on top of the crushed coffee. What we used to do back in the day was uh, if we needed it, if we felt that it needed like an aromatic top up, we would do a second. We'd like rack it back onto whole beans in the bright. Rack it but back I think onto the whole beans. That, yeah, so we would like dry bean it, I guess. But it was like <laughs> we we would throw crushed coffee in and then rack it onto whole beans and then. Because it's a whole bean and you have significantly less surface area than a crushed bean, mm-hmm. your extraction time and because it's colder at that point, it's going to be a slower rate. So you can kind of pinpoint the exact like, oh, damn, that's the like, all right, we need eight hours in the bright. We need 24 mm-hmm. hours in the bright, whatever. Um, but then you got to package it like right then. So that was what we used to do before I've kind of transitioned over to I just use uh, the cold brew thing because I can dose it and then be like, oh, it needs more and then inject it. And then there's no time frame. It is mm. 
it's a static amount of coffee that I can inject into a volume. So I can do that based on volume and then nail it every time. And it's pretty similar. And just, um, oh, that's great. And then just refresh me again, kind of hearing the whole process out, um, what the volume was on the, the, that anniversary beer you were very stoked about the, the sort of locked in probably. Per, so it's 10% of the beer. Yeah. So we, to make a cold brew concentrate, we'll typically go with, uh, three gallons for five pounds and we get it at a, like, it's a cold brew crush, which is slightly less fine, slightly more coarse than what you would do for a pour over. Yeah. Um, a CBC. Yep. CBC. And we'll do, uh, we'll do cold water and then we'll throw all that into a bucket and then bag the coffee and then, uh, put a, a lid on the bucket and then we keep it in the walk-in cooler for like 12 to 18 hours and we'll pull it out. And after that 18 to like 24 plus is when you start to pull like you ever had Starbucks cold brew? Not to like call anybody out. <laughs> of course I have. But yeah. That, that flavor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the uh, flavor of a shopping mall. Yeah. The shopping flavor mall shopping flavor. Mall. Yeah. yeah. It just gets like, like you get a better extraction, but it gets a little like cardboard tannicky. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Where do you like, just for my clarity, Mike, um, where do you sort of, what's your role in, in, in just making these beers. I don't know. It's, I know that you come from that, that, that spirit, like how's, how's your collaborative spirit in sort of beer development? How's that look these days? Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's always there. <laughs> but, uh, no, like I feel like the, the, the strength of, of what we do here definitely, um, it's, it's like a creative push from, from the top. So Vince is late, leading the production team mm-hmm. I'm leading like branding and marketing for, for the company. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like it's like a, a similar relationship for what like you and your, your brother do. I was so. going to say, I know that dynamic pretty well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, I feel like that's, that's what's made uh, the company more unique. And I feel like it, a similar thing to, to the Bissell brothers brand. It's like, it, Literally, it's your brand, your name there. But for us, like, we share that. It's like we are at the top of the company and we are pushing the creative out versus, you know, uh, other spaces that, you know, have an ownership structure that put in key players but don't maybe guide the creative as much. Mm-hmm. So, yep. like, it, it's very much like that's – it's us. It, the buck stops at us for, like, the products we're creating, how we're uh, – talking about them, how we're marketing them, how they look. And uh, I feel like that control is is always something we've wanted. Like Vince working at other breweries, always like, you know, I have more vision how I'd produce this beer and I'd like to approach it this way. And uh, like I've I've spent my time through different market agencies and stuff and seen brands come in and be like, oh, this would be an interesting way to – pivot the brand or uh, approach some of the products you're selling and, uh, you know, not always having full control or, you know, always having a layer of, uh, of approval processes to, mm-hmm. to get to the, what you think would be the right decision. Now we can act so much faster and <laughs> yeah. uh, get, get what we're well, thinking for real. out there. Yeah, so, yeah. totally. But yeah. in terms of like the division of, 
of strengths and, and where you, you're very much out of the production process and it's very similar to Noah and Pete where it's like branding and marketing in yeah. its production or is there collaboration there? I, d- I definitely have input on like uh, styles and and uh, like the types of beers we're, we're going to take on in the, in the coming weeks before we make mm-hmm. them. So it's always Vince, like we need more dark mild. Input. Can you get on that? <laughs> yeah. I checked no, the, I checked the draft like, list on the, le- the website and you're still scratching your riches, baby. <laughs> you're still scratching a lot of your riches. I love it. But yeah. it's nice to like share a similar palette and appreciation for like all the styles of beers we make here. It's like we're running at this point, 26 taps and then wow. every yeah. single one of those also sees uh, distro. Um, if not that, they're at least seeing some sort of uh, to-go packaging here at the at the brewery. Uh, if if it's an exclusive offering or not. So, which e- each brand, it's like it's just not like we make it and it's like it's on a tap somewhere. Maybe it's like no, it's we're making it. It gets a brand. It gets a label. It gets artwork. It gets. You know, whatever campaign uh, campaign treatment we can give it to, yeah. like yeah. make the most out of it. And with that being like, at this point, we're doing two to three brands a week, and uh, not they're not necessarily like a new brand every week, or all those are new. But for the most part, like it, we're up to two hundred and twenty five brands on our untapped. There's a lot of new in, ones in every week. Years, so it's every like, year. yeah. Yeah. Let's uh let's keep cranking on these and trying to like you know make the best possible brand and beer at the same time and like. But it, it goes like both ways though because it's like Mike, you know, it's like yeah, Mike controls the branding and things like that. But Mike is also like, you know, I want to brew. Uh, Mike was the reason that we started brewing uh, the like weird kettle sours. Um, mm-hmm. He was pushing for that because it fits with the brand. So from like a production standpoint, it's really easy to get lost in the weeds of things. And so sometimes, or Mike will be like, oh man, I really want to make, you know, XYZ beer or uh, wouldn't it be cool if we did like this treatment on an Imperial Stout or wouldn't it be cool if we did, I don't know if that was Mike or it was, was the Moon Pie Porter? Was that Eric? It's well, yeah, and then yeah, bringing in other parts of our team that to yeah. hear their opinions. Like so it's like it's a yeah. it's a whole thing of like, well, what what are we missing? Which is you know we're doing all of the things all the time, but it's also like, yeah, well, how do we how do we keep that pie a whole all the time? And so sometimes too, it's like I'll have feedback from Mike where it's like you're thinking way too hard about these labels. Just create a new series, and we can kind of like regurgitate a little bit through them. Um, like simplifying some of the stout labels or having some of the labels look kind of similar playing off of um, like similar characters. Like we have a West coast IPA and it's like, yeah. it's all from an artist that we buy art from. And then the late, the name is all the hustle is, and then insert word here. So it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. there's a little bit of back and forth of like, Oh, we can just simplify some of these processes, but both of us want to do, all of the things all of the time. And so it's very easy to just get lost in the weeds, but it's, it's weird because we both pull and push each other in the right direction. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that's just communicating. Like we are constantly having meetings about new brands, what we're making, like just to even start the week off, we got a weekly roundup between us and our, our main uh, heads of our departments here. And it's just like, how did the beers do last week? 
how are the beers coming this week? And then just forecasting and then also like doing postmortems on uh, past brands and mm-hmm. stuff. So yeah, it's just constant communication with that. So talk, Mike, like from the proliferation of labels, beers, br- brands, whatever you want to, just the whole package of it is really kind of now with the, where, with where our brewery is, it happens by our standards far more than it ever has, but it's still, it's still a struggle for us to like get all our ducks in a row to get, uh, uh, to not have to rush order the label and like to just have everything kind of at the ready. Um, so on the other side of that, doing what we struggle to do, maybe on average of an entire year, maybe every 10 days, let's say, for, just <laughs> for both breweries, we might have to do a new label. Um, it's usually there's, there's, it's comes down to the last minute. So if for nothing else, um, I guess like, how do you stay fired up about that for starters? Cause that seems like it has burnout written all over it to, to me. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, it it is a, a dream job. I'd say that for sure. Like it's something Vince and I have always wanted to do. So that just that motivation right there already is hitting me hard. And then, uh, I do have help and I bring in other artists when I, like their style and they're a good fit for what we do. I, I have a couple other people I can hit up for, for some pieces. Um, and then I'm working on getting even more in-house uh, creative to continue to help me out here. So uh, try not to totally kill myself, but it's, it's just part of, you know, small business running. It's like, of course, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to be doing the majority of what I think needs to be done. So, yeah. um, so the brand and our products can be where they where we want it and where we envision them to be. Uh, that and I've just, you know, years of developing the skill to do that. It's just like, you know, if I started fresh out of school and I was trying to do what I do now, I'd be totally I'd be a dead man at this point. <laughs> but it's it's taken me you know years and years of practice to get to the point where I can you know just sit down in front of the the computer or uh, or pick up the camera and just create something and not lose that motivation mm-hmm. or even and you know it can be some shitty shit sometimes like <laughs> <laughs> this earlier this week we had a collaboration in and like when we do that stuff i like to shoot photographs document it take some video and stuff of, of what that process look looks like and we're great uh, at that too always on yeah. top of it <laughs> so like halfway through well, like not even most of the the day i'd been recording no problem and then the memory card i was using just completely like corrupted it was all fucked everything was gone i was like ah yes so it's like you know what can i do here i could i could just you know just not make anything or you know mm-hmm. uh just pick up my shit and just shoot what i could and that's what i did it's like you know ask ask the dudes that are we're brewing with us like hey uh you know uh, all that shit i was i had that camera in your uh, it's all gone like can we just shoot a couple <laughs> more things real quick kind of fake some stuff and 
you know, at this point I have a, a catalog of, of years of footage. So like, yeah. I have a bank of things I can pull and, and try to recreate some stuff. Um, but it's, it's, it's definitely like keeping that motivation to keep going because if, if you'll, if you want to quit, you could, you could, and it's very easy. And, uh, but at the end of the day, oh. like if you don't and you, you power through and you make some cool shit, you know, it's, it's always super awesome, especially when you're, you know, at the end of the day, we're, I'm make, we're making beer here. So it's like, yeah. Who's uh, going to tell us that we fucked up? Yeah. We're the bomb, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, <laughs> we beat ourselves up more than anybody else could. So it's like, we already got that covered. But we, if you started a brand, like, all right, perfect example. Noah, like you guys, when you started, Bissell Brothers was, to quote you directly, a one-way ticket to Subby World. Um, it's it's but, true. Like, that was that was me. But the, but that like uh, that built the brand, and the brand was built on consistency. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And so that's what Some a lot would of people argue with that. But uh, <laughs> heard, I have heard it. consistency within consistency within the one beer. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's like what the brand was built on, and our brand was built on. Uh, I get chaos, I guess. Mm-hmm. And so it's, that's just all that we've known for, but, for good or worse. It's, yeah. you know, but we have spent like, yeah, the last two years, like experimenting a whole lot, making a whole lot of brands. And now as we're you know going through our third year of business, we're, we're like, let's, let's cherry pick some of the winners we've, we've uh, uh, made in the last few years and kind of develop those and, help grow those as uh, brands and make sure we, you know, remake them, make them the best that we can possibly do for those. And uh, yeah, well, you know, people have an appreciation for a lot of, a lot of these brands. Like we just brought back uh, a few different collab projects we did with our buddies over at Hoofhearted mm-hmm. and uh, including the one I'm drinking right now. Yep. Little as pizza, are we. Little, which I feel like, this is this is easily one of my favorite beers and brands we've put out to date, uh, and I'm glad to see it back because it's like one, it gets it's got a little portrait of Vince here and Trev from Papa Vinny from Hoofhearted, yeah. Papa Vinny. <laughs> and it's like for the record, maybe I not super flattering, but words. like yeah. <laughs> but I'm not so on it, so. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever I could do, a little piece that also, like, you know, uh, knocks this guy down a peg, it's, like, even better. There and then is. for this one to take off, too, it's, like, you know, uh, earlier, this, surprisingly, it, or not, it, it sells extremely well to pizzerias around us and stuff. So, like, a bunch of them just, like, hit us up. funny to me, but that's yeah. very funny. I want to, yeah. there, there I want to touch on, on something that, that you guys said and, and Noah's pointing at, because there does seem to be some kind of magic under the hood where everything you guys do kind of seems to be at surface level, like a vi- the harder, difficult thing to do, right? Like even from, you take the Instagram that I want to talk about more. And we talked about when Vince was on and you weren't there, but you've got the cohesive Instagram that all goes together in a grid, just a harder thing to do. So many different brands um, that don't seem like they just kind of get popped out. Like, like the, literally the can you're holding up, they get incredible treatment video over picture early 
in a way that most breweries weren't doing because video is just harder. Animation graphic, that's harder than than a standing digital photo that you put up on the Instagram. But at the same time, hearing you guys talk, and, and Vince, when you popped in, you guys kind of mentioned it. There's also the idea that you have to take the things that you've done that worked and kind of lean on them and recreate them. Like, lean on this process and the system that works because the the work to go and do these new things all of the time it's got to, like Noah said, kind of lead to burnout and be un- unsustainable. And when I look at it, it's kind of like that there's a balance there that is hard for many people to touch of doing these incredibly wild, creative things, but almost doing them in the systematic way that makes them sustainable and workable, that that they keep coming out and they come out on time and they come out in frequency. To me, when I look at it, that's the magic to me. Um, can you speak on how, how you get to that place? And is it is it system or is it finding motivation all the time or this? Uh, from like ahead. a production standpoint, from production or brand? From both. You guys have you have 26 tap lines, beers all over the place. They all get branded well. Um, and you guys touched on a little bit of like you have some design elements or some things that have worked. We can kind of retool, rework and fire them again. I, th- um, I think he's kind of saying like, how do you how does that cherry picking process <laughs> look? The ba- finding that balance between the two. I guess it's for for like uh, for, from a production standpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use four yeast strains. Um, so it's Kolsch, Lager, Pub Ale, Super Hazy IPA. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of our beers will fall into that, more or less that category. We do have a dry yeast for Imperial Stout because it's easier and a dry yeast for Seltzer and Cider because we've tried uh, like normal ale yeast and lager yeast and it doesn't want to work. Yeah. Um, but damn, we do do a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, already you've lost yeah, me. Yeah. Well, it's it, it's well, easy from like that standpoint. It, yeah, <laughs> so, well, you know, five uh, more of those. It's like, yeah. Everything kind of falls within its own lane, right? So, like, uh-huh. it, it seems like there's a lot, but everything I exist by my life is built on an Excel spreadsheet or twelve, and so Gang. each spreadsheet will kind of fill into the next one, and so it's all swim lane production. So it's like, oh, okay, well, we need. This is the lager tank, and we do Kolsch, and then a Goza, and then we do IPA, and then or this is the IPA only tank, and then this is the fun weird thing, and then I need a pub ale every two or three weeks, so I've got like a weird system that I've kind of have mm-hmm. filled out, and then I don't want to say the IPAs are a lot of like rinse and repeat, but it's well like oh okay well that worked for me this grist worked for me so I'll tweak the mash temp or I'll tweak the secondary dry hopping or I'll tweak the biotransformation dry hopping or it's just small little increments of things that like we're learning a lot from a production standpoint by making small incremental changes along the way. But to the consumer, we're doing it all so quickly that it's, it's kind of hard to see. So the beers are getting better, but it's, they're falling into specific buckets that we can improve upon. That Um, makes sense. From yeah. a, so we we make that there's a, a there's a lot of it's a lot less convoluted behind the curtain but there's a lot of uh, like Mike makes everything look well, way better. That's too. exactly well, what I mean. Like you got you guys have even used the term chaos, and I think mm-hmm. if you look at the brand, there's this like punk rock chaos to it. But from anybody who knows like what it takes to make all this happen, 
it has got to be very organized, systematic chaos under the hood to oh, make all is. that work. And, and yeah, that's kind of exactly Excel. what I'm getting at. Excel <laughs> the spreadsheets. The team works off of Excel spreadsheets <laughs> and a no joke. I think it's like a 10 by four whiteboard that we roll out every day. Yeah. It's like, nothing's more, this is, you know, acid, acid psych rock than that. I mean, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having yeah. grids on a whiteboard. You're like, honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it is a whiteboard Excel spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. you, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> I live on but, Excel, yeah. But for you, Mike, where does that work from the design standpoint of being able to to put out all these things that seem high energy and high effort, but they keep coming at a clip that shows that there's a lot of system under there that's making that work? Yeah, and it's like uh, behind that system, before I even get there, it's, it's, a, it's a full-on awesome production team that's like – like all every individual on that team is very very talented has their own pedigree of where they worked at and mm-hmm. uh, we're just lucky enough to to get them on our team at this point so like couldn't couldn't brag more about the production staff we have here so uh it, Vince guides that but it's like you know each one of these people are are like could be a rock star in their own in their own space if they mm-hmm. like they just that in your really, band really so uh you know so from there it's it's just you know it is it is a little bit of like yeah we got these brands coming out and uh just willing the time to 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 make all those brands and make them uh you know make sense have some sort of reference can speak to some sort of uh, say maybe pop culture trope or mm-hmm. or just like inside joke or yep. just try to be tongue-in-cheek in itself you know i'm always trying to pull from different elements or if it's just like this one just looks badass because it's just trying to look badass you know not every single one of them needs like uh probably like a whole i wouldn't need to write a whole story about every single one but you know, you pick and choose the ones that you want to spend a little bit more time with or the ones that are going to be part of like, uh, like, and that depends on the style of it, but some of these just fall into a series. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, okay, I can continue on this because I've had like, you know, thoughts about this brand. And once I, I finish that, it's like, it's, it's always living in the back of your head. So you're thinking about where that series could go next, like constantly. Well, and it helps to carry around a little notebook. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was going to huh. say, Mike's got like a notebook that's like a second brain. And he just like writes down all these little thoughts and does little doodles and sketches. Yeah. But then it's also like a lot of the brands too will feed off of like Mike is a very talented illustrator. And so a lot of those are like whether it's like an illustration overlaid over a photograph or like an illustration of a photograph that's then been – made into some surreal version of that. And then that's overlaid on a photograph or overlaid on top of uh, some, whether it's like a greasy pizza box or the the Appalachian skyline or something like that. Yeah. That's where I really found like a lot of success is like not just illustration, not just photography, not just video work, but like what can I do to blend all those together? And it's, you know, that's, it's literally taken my whole career to get to the point where I could do so. And then at that point I was like, we, it was like just perfect timing for us to like then launch this brand. And it's like, yeah, 
he's at the best of his ability to produce this beer, think about the beer and, and help run this business. And I was at the, the peak of my, yeah. my skill to bring all these marketing efforts and visual creating efforts to, uh, to the brand. It, it's Can I been, use one as a specific example? Oh, Cause absolutely. like your guys were in a COVID world to go kind of ruled and your to go icon is the storefront of actual dissolver with a large hand coming right out of the front door with <laughs> four packs and bottles sitting in the hand. <laughs> and, and that's that kind of sur- surreal thing you're speaking to. But in terms of like the, the actual workflow, have you developed almost like templates or tools or these things to be able to, to put that together so quickly? Where has that evolved over your career? Oh yeah. There's a, just like a, I have like folders and folders full of, of templates for sure for like, you know, just quickly getting a label onto a, a can mock-up or a bottle mock-up and adjusting those and then finding faster ways to run the programs to produce those. Uh-huh. Uh, and that's, that's helped in, in creating things quickly and uh, with you're like less, coming up with like a help, new but, label. That's a question that I've never even asked you. But, it's like, how the hell do you do this so frequently? Yeah. Well, that's you know, why I'm, just, that's what I'm saying is I see it from the same position you're in, Vince, and see, like, know that it's a hard enough process. Of, mm-hmm. If I can just, from just listening, like, one thing I notice that I think is very critical and it's something I'm constantly struggling with is the only way that level of proliferation is possible is to from the gate be okay with everything not being your masterpiece and that can be hard especially for a creative person Mm. because that's literally what's driving you in the first place but like those two things work directly against each other and you you said that in different words earlier on and it was like yeah that makes sense it was one of the first things you said in talking about it i think you use the words some are them are shitty shits or something like that (laughs) um but i'm kind of curious because like you're kind of almost you guys seem like you're both almost hinting at it whether you mean to or not but at how like on some level like a a trimming down or at least is is necessary for growth like if you're presumably along the way you're making some some masterpieces so like why wouldn't you want to make more of those and focus more on those or whatever so i guess i'm curious from guys with a very different perspective on on how much things are coming all the time than me like what that process how you're starting to look at that as you, as, as you say, like cold caprice uh, or something like that, that beers that are making uh second go rounds. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I think it's from like a, from a production perspective and a branding perspective. If we hit something on the head and both of us are happy with it, it's like, Oh, okay, cool. Well, we're going to do that again. And then that gets like folded into the stable. But Mm -hmm. then sometimes Mike will be like, oh, well, I really love this branding or whatever. And you'll see a similar beer with a similar label that's been kind of reworked, like the Phantom Dreaming and Digital – was it Phantom Dreaming and Digital Phantom or there's like the Digital Genie? Yeah. Like you'll see like portions of Mike's work. It's not even like regurgitated, but it's like taken and 
manipulated and presented in a different way where he's like, t- he, you can clearly tell that like he started on something and then it just kept moving in his brain and it's presented and then it'll tweak it a little bit more and they'll tweak it a little bit more mm-hmm. and then tweak it a little bit more. And it's, it's infrequent that if, if you see that happening, it'll become one of those things that's like a new outlet. Yeah. If that makes sense. And is yeah. that, is that also some of the hack for the frequency of you kind of have this thing that you honed and you put out, you've got some ideas you want to put on it to elevate it. But a lot of that core work has already been done in that first iteration. So for the yeah. second iteration, you're just updating. Does that actually make the work quicker, easier and able to get out? Yeah, absolutely. So Hell it's yeah. like, like, it's like I already had the base recipe for this label essentially mm-hmm. done. So it's like, how can I, you know, tweak this, tweak that, and then move on from there. Because mm-hmm. it's like, I got to do two more <laughs> right now. <laughs> Some labels are it, IPAs. The grist is pretty much the same each time. Like yeah. like Vince was saying, that, that's a great analogy. You know, and then uh, I feel like if I'm giving the, if I'm staying on that track, like you guys, you know, you're, you're making recipes and rewriting recipes and like coming up with new ones that, you know, that's not, I couldn't do that. I'll be like, yeah, I don't know. Just make <laughs> this grade. Uh, well, I think the interesting like, part is they're my... both recipes. <laughs> like, yeah, like uh, yeah, it's just different, different output. So, so the, yeah. So the process, you know, over time comes easier and I've, I've just done this for a long time now. So it's like, yeah, I know, I know how to stay on track, how to put the elements where they need to be, what works well, what hasn't worked well. And then uh, just try to refine and keep refining, and the, just knowing that uh, you know not everything's gonna be yeah like you like we we're saying like yeah you're gonna run the shitty shit sometime, mm-hmm. and just being okay with that because yeah yeah, yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, it's oh, not gonna be the end also, of the world if if this it's also he says shitty shit but it's like I don't think we've put out anything that's like no terrible. your shitty shit is so much better than my best it's shit all it's crazy <laughs> it's so crazy yeah yeah, yeah. yeah again exactly. we're our own like words critics that's uh, what I was just gonna say when, when no matter Vince how said, hot untap yeah. gets we'll, yeah. we'll always still be our I'm like we'll we'll, we'll like rip our shit way harder than anyone else could yeah. so <laughs> Look, the helps. unique voice, the the unique voice within style that you've developed and the brand as a whole. I think there's when I look at people that I admire and things that are interesting and I like unique is yeah. it, it doesn't get much more unique than you guys. And that's impressive in terms of just kind of standing on your own. But I did oh, want to take while well, we have the time together. I wanted to um, kind of circle back on one thing. Uh, with you guys, Vince, when we talked last time, it was kind of right around the beginning of COVID. I think we were like a month or two in. No, it was you, like, mm, it was like six or eight. It was, it was getting into it. And you had, um, you had been one of the first few that had talked about this kind of forced reflection that, mm-hmm. that COVID gave you. And then as the, the next 18 months, 16 months went on, we kind of heard that again over and over. Um, but I was, I felt like your conversation really struck a chord and it was because of the candor that you had kind of talking about what, what you were going through as a manager of people 
and kind mm-hmm. of looking at yourself and and pulling your own card on some things, being really honest with yourself and kind of appreciating this time to look at those things and change. And there was light moments. There was the jokes about all the ESB in the tank and this and that, but... <laughs> I, Not I, even extra special, dude. Regular <laughs> just, bitter. Yeah, just regular bitter. <laughs> just ordinary. <laughs> um, but I really, with me, that certainly struck a chord, and I, I think it did with a lot of the listeners. And it's kind of this cool opportunity to – we're here 15 months later talking again about it in terms of what has been able to change. Um things you've been able to to kind of grow and evolve within yourself and what new struggles you face – between the two of you as, as somebody who leads people, uh, it's something I've been struggling with a lot lately. I think I'm in this little kind of growth phase, but it has a lot to do with what you said. It's like, I'll go through these incredibly long processes of like kind of struggling with my ego. And it's like, I'll break all these things down. And then I get to this place where it's crumbled and I'm like, man, if I could have gotten here in like 10 minutes, like we could all move forward incredibly quickly. Um, I want to just kind of, to start that conversation, ask you with, in a changing environment and everything going on, what are you guys proud of that you've changed over the last 15 months? Oh boy. Uh, I think the first, the first thing is that it's, you're always going to fail. Like to expect that you're going to do things perfectly all the time is setting yourself up for failure. To expect that you're going to constantly fumble is a more realistic expectation. Mm. Um, You can minimize those fumbles. And Mike and I have gotten much better about like, in terms of managing employee expectation, like, oh, okay, cool. Everybody works a little bit better if we build out the calendar like what are we at like 10 weeks now something like that yeah yeah uncertainty is a killer (laughs) yeah yeah so we're like we're actively trying to get like uh if it's a crazy adjuncted thing we're or like a brand that needs a decent amount of work like i can put that on the board for 10 weeks and so we'll build the, the we'll build the calendar out for 10 weeks and then it also allows our employees to be like oh okay well we've got a busy few weeks here this is going to be a little bit of a slower week. Like you can kind of tell based on production schedule, what's going to be busy and slow and then trying to like, just keep an even pace with everything. Yeah. Um, has been, it's, it's very difficult to do because I don't like people are going to catch COVID or have a baby or get sick or go through something in life where they're not at a hundred percent, or they feel like they haven't been listened to or they're shut down. Like everyone is human. So to expect a company to run super smoothly all the time is not possible, but it's like Mike and I have gotten better about like, we'll have conversations with everybody every week. So we do like breakdowns and then little mini huddles all the time. Mm-hmm. But the, the big dissection of how everything's been going and how we want it to go happens every week. So it's regular. And you know, if you miss that meeting, it's like, Hey dude, you fucked up. Um, Mm. and, or we'll, we'll immediately reschedule it. So it's just trying to keep like the whole team on the same page has been a big thing. Um, yeah. Learning how to adapt to what's going on right at this moment. And then trying to forecast a little bit into the future has been like something way more, uh, way more crucial than I ever thought of, you know, going into this business, like 
one where it threw in like a pretty big curveball right out the gate. Yeah, pretty huge. With, with every with. this, it was like, <laughs> okay, like this was not in the business plan at all. <laughs> like, so, you know, guiding our way through that and just trying to make the best decisions and not like, you know, we reflect and postmortem those decisions, but not to beat ourselves up too much about it. It's like, you know, try to make the best choice in the moment we could. And then, you know, Hindsight could be lead to a better like could could have led to a better decision, but you know us just collecting that information and moving on so that when the next time this comes up, we are in a better spot and uh, just yeah. trying to keep those micro decisions like happening over the course of a day mm-hmm. into the week into the month, and now yeah, over the course of two years have been like. We're still here, so we haven't totally screwed the pooch yet go. on this stuff. L- let me ask, and, uh, uh, not to interrupt in- you, but but I'll interrupt yeah. you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but just for uh, for what you're saying, just for uh, if you could clarify, like what you mean by. Like, I guess I'd ask, what would the alternative be? Like as business owners, you you have to react. To, so are you talking about like maybe punting bigger decisions or like, all right, let's chew on it over the weekend. And, in, and, and the alternative instead is like, let's figure this out right now and move on. Can, can you specify? Yeah, exactly. And that, that comes with like, uh, just about everything we do. Like if it's, if it's just making the, the product better, or if it's dealing with, uh, our staff or uh, just like brand perception and stuff. It's like, uh, yeah, some things do need immediate attention. Some things are better slept on or just take a, take a shower on it. Just like, think about it. <laughs> Sleeping's a little much. Okay. <laughs> you can <laughs> bathe on it. <laughs> I think it's, I think it's like empowering. Like we now have, a general manager who is full-time before it was a hybrid position where it was like some bartending shifts, some general management. We were just like, we got hurt really hard by COVID. So to be staffed appropriately was a, um, a blessing that we were, we did not have. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were, we ca- kind of always have existed on the skeleton crew. And so getting up to that point and for Mike and I to like give up some more of this responsibility yeah. has been difficult but only in the immediate. So like three weeks in, it's like, ah. (laughs) Changing up your staff uh, like fully was a a big band-aid to rip off like right away. So it's like, okay, we can, we can do that. We can pivot. We can make these, uh, we can recreate what we had before or like, you know, welcome back people if, if, if it makes sense. And uh, now just trying to keep, keep that momentum going to not, just be like, you could easily shut down, especially, uh, well, physically we did shut down, but you know, if it, we haven't let it get to the point where we've mentally couldn't do it. You know, we've yeah. guided ourselves through that. We are like outside of the company all at the end of the day, best friends. So mm-hmm. it's, that makes it a little bit easier for us to, <laughs> to, to <laughs> like, uh, you know, not necessarily my birth brother, but essentially at this point, we've known each other for so long mm-hmm. and like yeah. talked about doing this for so long. But it's also like yeah. we've like it, it has taken a little while for the sun to set on 
oh, this is so difficult and we've got to do all these things ourselves. But like that's a real it's almost like a PTSD sort of situation where like we were faced with this company all completely, totally falling apart as many, many, many people were. We're totally not the Mm -hmm. only people in that situation. But it took a really long time for us to both kind of get out of that and like not we can work more than we need to, but to kind of embrace like slow time and downtime and like Mike's got a house. So he Mike got married and then uh, he and his wife bought a house and it's like, no, Mike's done on Saturday, Sunday. He's tearing up the floor. He's doing whatever uh, he's going to Lowe's. He's doing his thing. He's home. Um, yeah. Yeah, I'm right there with you, baby. Yeah. Don't um, ever try to remove a popcorn ceiling yourself. <laughs> that shit. It's awful. But it, it, I think it's like we could, we would have never allowed ourselves the time to do those things prior. But now that we have a staff that we trust and we've empowered to do things that we were doing and we trust that they're doing them well and everyone has a high level of communication. I think that that's really helped and applying the same mentality that we had to apply to ourselves to these people is uh, like Mike and I, whether we liked it or not, because we were doing so much out of necessity, we made a lot of mistakes. Mm -hmm. And so I think that it's, we benefit greatly from that by having this mentality of like, the you're going to fuck up, you're going to stumble, you're going to forget some things. But I think it's we fuck up just as much as everybody else and we beat ourselves up, but we don't do it as publicly anymore. And so I think like I'm a I'm a big uh, proponent of if you made a mistake, it's not like, yeah, 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 you can beat yourself up. But if you see someone beating themselves up, it's like on all of us to be like, hey, how did you mess that up? Like, why did you mess Those that up? Those are the things is that it, matter. Is it a mistake or like what? Yeah. You're like harboring on the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You know, like talk more Matt, about you mistakes. Cause that was, I, I didn't re-listen to our other podcast, uh, like recently, but you, there was a similar theme that you hit about like how harsh to be on someone. Um, and yeah. I can't remember the context, but it seems clearly like this has been something on your mind since probably on your <laughs> mind too, Mike. Yeah. Where you, where's, where's that look like? Great question. Oh, yeah. It's uh yeah. The dickhead <laughs> boss versus the disappointed dad. Oh baby. Uh, <laughs> Let's go. Like, there Let's was. go. Like, if you like come on and you jump on someone or you jump down someone else's throat for making a mistake, that mistake has a higher likelihood of happening again versus taking a step back, telling them like, yes, okay, admitting it was a mistake, but it's looking at it um, as more of a learning opportunity Mm -hmm. than harboring on the fact that something was done incorrectly because nine times out of 10, it's not uh, 99% of the time, even it's not a mistake that is a catastrophic mistake. Totally. You can, not a lot of nuclear codes in the brewery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can usually take it and then pivot from it. Like, Oh, okay. Well, um, the pH was off on this knockout. Like, how did that happen? Mm -hmm. Or, uh, like, Oh, okay, cool. Now we're going to see what that does to an IPA. Like we know what this base does. So then how does that, we're just adding another, like chart it, keep track of it. How does this impact the beer? Let me, let me um, ask on that real quick. I'm not to jump in, but on the, just on the same thing, like where to me, it's such a slippery slope. And I think 
biz- all business owners are constantly dealing with it because you could make the argument when you say that like, okay, you, you give a longer leash on these mistakes and your response to them can be interpreted in a much more like, I don't really care way. So it almost, mm. even if you respond in like, uh, I'm not mad at you, but I'm at least giving you the okay to have a little more wiggle room in these numbers that it can hypothetically lead to over experimentation. Like the chain of command gets broken a little bit on, okay, these are, this is still my calls. Um, and I haven't had hyper direct experiences of that, but I think that's why it's some, a lot of times easier to express your care about it through being really mad at someone. Um, so anyway, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm going to stop jumping in, but you guys are, you guys are saying a lot of good stuff. No, I think it's like, if you, if you get really mad at someone, you're looking at something, uh, I know that this is what we talked about last time, but it's like the objective subjective thing. Um, and like removing yourself and your ego from it. Um, I have since reread ego is the enemy, but what's up, Ryan? Baby, Ryan. Uh, Uh, (laughs) uh, I'm on courage is calling. Oh dude. Uh, my partner just got me that, uh, for Christmas. I'm very excited about it. Hell yeah. Um, but I think it's like problems are problems. Yes. But what's the gravity of the problem? And most of the time, no one needs people acknowledge readily that there a problem has been, um, faced or a mistake has been made, but usually it's better faced with like, Oh, okay, well that happened. Cool. What do we do to fix it? And then when emotion is completely removed from the situation and it's been resolved, then you can have a like, Hey, you fucked up pretty hard there. Yeah. Um, but I think that like maintaining an even keel and I'm not again, the best at this, but I'm getting better at it. Um, like I just got uh, one of my guys today was like, "Fuck you for being so calm all the time." It's like, okay, okay, hey, baby, <laughs> but, yeah, hey, yeah. <laughs> but it helps. Is like if you maintain, like we we're two years of constant fuck ups, and we're still here. Yeah. Then we've we've put in place like uh, an HR structure, mm-hmm. so you know a small business can totally do that. Like ours isn't, you know. Is not in-house like HR uh, agent we have. We work with someone through our guild that has set up his own thing to be that person. So, like, he's he's not just that for our employees, but for ours, for us too. So we are constantly, not constantly, but hitting him up with our questions, how we should deal with some uh, situations, and that you know, a lot of the times it's reaffirming of like our personal decisions, or it's just like you know. You could do that, but just, you know, tweak your attitude a little bit this way. And, uh, you know, and then sometimes it's like you're just being too nice. You got to take a a more forceful uh, approach to some of these things. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, still finding those balance. We're still, say, fairly new at, at, uh, you know, dealing with a lot of these situations. But for the most part, our, our team is really come together with with all of that and you know I, i'd say we're at the best stage of our of our business uh since since opening yeah do you guys have a full hr department how do y'all roll with it um just recently we ha- have a designated it uh, the only reason i i stumble is hester 
has no HR training, but was effectively functioning as HR mm-hmm. and doing a pretty yeah. damn good job at it. I, I, um, considering all the other shit she was doing as we were growing, but once the kitchen came involved, we it was just like this. This is this can't. Be, we have to have more help because so, she was already kind of doing. I think what you guys were are describing is calling an agent she had that wasn't mm-hmm. was just counsel basically like paid counsel mm-hmm. um and uh so anyway we have a, a true designated hr person and you know it, we need it but it comes with its feelings of we didn't i would say we didn't really need it till now and that's only because hester is who she is and fit that excellently um but just size wise i'm talking um mm-hmm. but it definitely does just come with its like tobiness you know like there's a certain level of like corporate but you just have to do things certain ways it's whack objectively so (laughs) trying to figure out what our version of that looks like um that was kind of where when we started what i was getting kind of uh what I was talking to you guys about. That's a perfect example. Anyway, that's what HR looks like at, uh, at Bissell Brothers. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Me being but, pissed yeah. that everyone doesn't think it's heaven. <laughs> well, yeah, especially with how, like, you know, it's no industry secret at this point. Like, things have blown up over the last year or so uh, to, yeah. to a big megaphone of things. Totally. Like you, you see the, the McKellar blowback and, like... You know, so it's not just like they're on a huge example. They could have easily put things in place uh, to mitigate some of the situations they're, you know, now dealing with. And, uh, you know, we, we're we in a pretty woke area for North Carolina. Asheville yeah. is like a very much a, a liberal bubble. So, you know, uh, and, you know. Because of that, we've got great resources. Yeah, got great resources. Great. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have a lot of people that just... You know, uh, they get that and then also like kind of expect it now out, out of uh, out of the industry, out yeah. of newer businesses, out of older businesses. It's like if you're not aware of this or like doing something about it, it's like, why yeah. not? All, like it's it's very all, much. Like, no, when you yeah. started Bissell Brothers and it was in the very early heyday of Bissell Brothers, how many breweries Allagash doesn't count. Uh, <laughs> did you know that had healthcare, HR, 401k, PTO, uh, and paid sick leave? I know one brewery that had none of those things. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but, totally, but like now, totally. but now, like, regardless of yeah. size, you have to have all of those things. So it comes with the yeah. like. But then yeah. it's, it's like you know putting those things in place so we can stay you know competitive with with the kind of people we bring in mm-hmm. we well, have these options and, and uh benefits that are are there for you so it's like you know if you want to find those somewhere else you're more than welcome to try to do that yeah. and stuff but like we're trying to you know always offer that balance of yeah you know we're, we're, we're paying you competitive rates we're giving you competitive benefits and we're trying to uh stay in tune with uh, the way this industry is moving and just the way, you know, uh, perception of how business is run is, is changing. Do you see evolved. this eye so. on my chest, dude? You don't <laughs> think I know the future? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
real real quick, can I ask you guys how so Matt, you mentioned thinking about it and uh modifying how you've managed people and things like that over the sure. last year. What's the difference in your take? Because I think we I feel like we went back and forth a little bit about how we were approaching things. Yeah. I um I think what Noah said is incredibly true and it's that clarity is key. Um, and I remember when we talked the first time and this conversation happened with us on this, these microphones over and over again, it was a lot about micromanaging and delegating. Mm -hmm. And I've come to this place recently where I'm really thinking that like the hardest part of the entire thing, a lot of the time is like knowing what to do. It's not the doing of the thing. Like if you have a system in place for how to do the thing, that becomes very easy to do. Taking the time to put the system together, or know what the system should be, or know where the focus should lie. And that's what in, is so fascinating to me about you guys being able to do this thing with so many different brands and such incredible branding, but like knowing where focusing on this is the wrong thing. Focusing on this is the right thing. Where do you mm. break down that finite amount of energy? It's like an incredibly hard thing. So I find myself, I think, in this mode where it's like, if I don't have the roadmap together for my staff and everybody's got like Monday and Tuesday off, Wednesday is an admin day, then we get into the service weekend. And it's like, if I haven't done my thing Monday, Tuesday, having a clear roadmap of what the week is going to be, I get in there on Wednesday, I put my head in the sand, I do a ton of work. Mm. And I do that to make myself feel better that I know what the fuck I'm doing, but I haven't led anybody else in like the clear direction of what everybody should be doing. And almost in a way, I'm like taking that away from them because I need to, mm. like, I want to do so many things that I'm just making myself feel better about like knowing what's going on. And I had this kind of thing through conversations with you and it's just been developing over the years where I really took a step back and I kind of went right mm. down the line and kind of spent that time to lay out the groundwork for what everybody could take ownership of and feel good. And then once I did that, and this is recent, like I, I don't know anything about anything, but recently I find that I've got happy people that feel fulfilled knowing what to do. And then I'm doing less, but I feel like I've put my energy into telling what it is. And the big unlock is I think something that you guys are finding too with that clarity comes the ability to hold them accountable in a really healthy, empathetic way, right? Because yeah. if I'm not giving you a clear roadmap, it's what Mike said. It's real easy to be nice. Being nice is just not doing the work when the conflict needs to happen. But I don't even yeah. have the right to because I haven't given you the clarity of what you should be doing. So I just shy yeah. away from all this conflict hold on to a little resentment when I shouldn't go put my head in the sand and work harder. And it's not really working yeah. for anybody. And it's not a disaster. I think a lot of people do these types of things. What we found on these microphones is delegation is the hardest thing for everybody. But when you front load that work with the clarity of being clear and what I need from you and where we're going to focus. And this is why. And if, if I'm fucking wrong, we're going to take that feedback and we're going to go focus somewhere else. We're going to pivot. But now I've got yeah. clarity that when, when you're not doing something that I asked of you clear, clearly, I can come up to you and be like, Hey, 
let's talk about what happened today. Why weren't we focusing on this? Why, why didn't this clear task get done? And that's a pretty easy conversation to have. It's a lot harder when those things are, are not clear. Um, that's yeah. what I've been finding lately. And when I trace that all back, it's what you said. It's all around that fucking ego. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's where it all comes home to roost. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's Mic just drop. like a, <laughs> so, yeah. so it's like a segmentation of workflow and then a, a holding of accountability, but then a, a, a mutual respect from both parties mm-hmm. uh, to be held accountable, you know, yeah. for, for communication going both ways. It's yeah, totally. I feel yes, totally struck a chord. <laughs> Um, only for to the sake of, uh, I'm in, I don't know if you're in the same place, but last time I'm doing what you were doing, I have a boil going next door. Baby, um, so I need out. to unfortunately need to grain work out. towards the end here. <laughs> um, I do have one question though. Matt kind of knows more about this, um, than I do, but cause I not as good as reading email chains, but that, uh, you guys were potentially thinking about starting a podcast. <laughs> oh man, yeah we uh, we recorded an episode with a buddy of ours. Mike got all. The, we still have some of the most of the gear, all the gear. Oh yeah, so I have like a little setup. It's this fucking like, computer yeah, this now. Is, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like we'll, we'll have the time to do this, and we'll have the the you know the ideas to to approach and talk to people all the time. Yeah, we could we could do it, but you know. Uh, cut to two years. I haven't finished editing the first episode that we recorded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so long ago. I, I don't know if it'll, it'll happen quite yet. Uh, I sh- certainly enjoy joining people on their uh, podcasts at this point. So uh, maybe sometime in the future when I have a better perspective on what we could do to, you know, uh, I guess air our grievances but also <laughs> something that's entertaining at the same time it's yeah. like, that's pretty much what podcasts like, are right there a place yeah, to air right? grievances and maybe entertain <laughs> yeah. from from all of the sides of things that y'all have been asking us it's oh, like you're so Asheville yeah, now how, dude how do you how do you uh how do you guys find the like creative like doing this on a regular on a weekly basis but well, we don't I mean, have I'm sure. 300 labels a month to take yeah. care of. So, I mean, that's, that's a good start. <laughs> and again, to but, the humility, this man edits every single one. And there's I, the, the weight of oh, that must be incredible. Um, but I think yes. it's <laughs> way no, to your point. You said two years <laughs> haven't edited that thing yet. He edits one every single week, but the, um, it oscillates between like having the experiences in the conversation that lead mm-hmm. you to like, grow and and be excited and then getting some of that listener feedback that like really gets you on fire and to grow. And then that'll oscillate to just like feeling the weight of having to do a fucking podcast every week, you know, and it'll, it'll yeah. go back You should and stop forth. using the word weight yeah. as much. <laughs> it's been very heavy for me since the new year. It's been very heavy. Um, but it, it'll bounce yeah, back Yeah, it sucks sometimes. <laughs> weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm not trying to cut you off, though. No, uh, it's that's it's totally right. It. And TLDR, it's is really hard sometimes basically to come up with what you think is like second guessing yourself and like what is worthy to talk about or mm-hmm. whatever. And, and you should be doing that or you will be making drivel probably. Cause like this, the, the fundamental idea that starts most podcasts is like, 
our conversations are so interesting on their own. We should just record them. And that theory is very easy to think, but that it just doesn't work that way. It's just harder than that. Um, We sure as fuck thought that. And you're realizing a lot like the content is only part of it. And so I don't know, but mostly I asked you guys, because our biggest hurdle really is our distance. Um, Mm -hmm. And if that wasn't the case, like, I can definitely see too much of a good thing. <laughs> I'm not recommending it per se, but uh, especially with all the other uh, um, pans and pans on the flame, which I think that would help make it an easy, sustainable thing to always have something to discuss, if nothing else, because that's kind of already the speed you're working on. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, I, I if you don't really want to do it, you definitely shouldn't. I'd say that. Um, it's super lucrative as, as, uh, but beyond that, like there's not a lot of good for it. In one sentence, I'd say today it's fun. You know, today it's fun. Oh, he's a, he's a podcaster. He's a podcaster. He knows, he knows the mic drop. Depends, depends on the day today. It's fun. Oh, sappy mic drop. Well said. Um, well, yeah, like I say for time, guys, I got to hit you with the three bay so I can finish my brood day. So I think this will I think there's enough with your beer catalog to work out for both of you guys to answer this individually. So I'm going to hit you with uh, three conspiracy. I've just been staring, staring at the Illuminati the uh, eye guys. the whole time. <laughs> <Behind you>. um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks like if. The Great Gatsby was about the Illuminati, kind of, is how it feels. Um, (laughs) So I'll hit you with, uh, let's go Manchurian Candidate. Let's go, already mentioned before, Da Vinci Code. Baby. Um, And let's... Yeah, I mean, we got to go National Treasure. Yeah, baby. even though it's like the lowest on the <laughs> Illuminati no, it's scale, good. but it's uh, good. Yes, and then pair each one of these conspiracy adjacent um, popular films with one of the many, 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 many beers, um, beers. in your catalog. Yes. Oh man, I got to do this last time, so I'll let Mike roll with it. Oh, Did we ask yeah. you the same question last time? <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, no. Mine was Tim and Eric, and I fumbled it terribly. I, it's fine. Yeah, I guess uh, everyone's uh, been thinking about it, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the grain, ba- the mailbag is filled with Tim and Eric disappointments. <laughs> I'll start with the the National Treasure one, uh, especially because I just got the watch. Uh, pig. And Me too. Was, Me too. Oh, I haven't seen it. That, yeah. yeah, that was great. Where's my pig? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. That was like, <laughs> yeah, Fight Club beats Master Chef kind of thing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> but um, uh, for, uh, we did just put out uh, our Squid Game themed uh, uh, kind of beer, so. That one's still involving a lot of the like pyramid imagery. Mm-hmm. It was a very like almost it was we called it an IPA, but it's more on the lines of a uh, session IPA. So I think that one would pair pretty Pyramid well with games. with uh, national with treasure. national treasure there. Yeah. What was next? Manchurian Candidate. Manchurian Candidate. You seen that one? That was Denzel, yeah. wasn't it? That was Denzel. Yeah, that was Den- yeah. that was Denzel. That was the it's remake. A, it's a, yeah. Yeah. It's a remake, yeah. yeah. So not a um, not a film buff, clearly. <laughs> Just a <Yeah>. Denzel guy. <laughs> Aren't we all? Have you guys seen Man uh, on Fire? 
So yeah, that one was like he's he's triggered uh, uh, by a keyword, and then mm-hmm. yeah. So uh, I gotta say something that triggers us is our, our cheesecake sours. <laughs> oh, so, maybe. Yeah. No. So uh, define uh, trigger. Part of yeah, right? I fucking hate. That. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, you know, I'll throw it at one of those. We we had our evil engine, which is part of, like the all the cheesecake beers are our <laughs> engine series. So mm-hmm. uh, that's one of those ones that's that's nice. It's like I just I can update some type on that, change some colors, and I can move on. But uh, with that, we got our our newest uh, iteration of that coming out this week called Screamo Engine. So passion fruit, blackberry, uh, cinnamon, our cheesecake mix in in that sour ale, and that will lead to our uh, our we'll emo, emo night we'll, yeah. that we'll do for yeah. uh, Valentine's for Valentine's Day. Day. Oh, yeah. So what was the what was the, yeah. what was the last movie? National Treasure, Manchurian Candidate. Oh. Frickin' Da Vinci, oh, da Vinci Code. Code. Yeah. So, the one that say, started it all by what you were saying. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> the most comp- the complex riddle of uh, something to do with Jesus and stuff. Was yeah, Apple. something Dan so, Brown had his fingers on. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. <laughs> like, no, we'll figure out Apple is the clue. Um, you know, which leads me into... Our, our our cider program because we are oh, more than just yes. oh. we're more than just a, a a beer company. We we do like to tout ourselves as a you know fermented beverage company. So we have our lines of uh, funky cider, which are amazing, all brewed with our uh, house uh, strains that we've captured ourselves. Just going around Asheville swabbing little freaking plants and flowers flora and just weird shit too and uh we've had a a number of releases of that we got like four more packaged yeah now we're doing wine too and then wow and then on the ups well not on the opposite end but still in that lane of cider we're about to put out our first like kind of clean cider kind of more more of that commercial kind of very easy going yeah. stuff that you'd probably be uh, ready to go with just to kind of uh, expand that spectrum of, of of flavors that we have in our portfolio. It's like we've done our our very crafty like you know our own yeast, funky cider with grapes. Sat that baby <laughs> in a fooder for months yeah, and did. stuff, and okay, sick. yeah, which we were super happy about and. Now that we've seen some of the other parts of our portfolio, like seltzer, kind of just, you know, just kind of do its thing, we we are like, okay, uh, market's taste and, and focused on that product is, is already shifted. So where can we take that energy we were pushing into that kind of brand and uh, put it on another part of our portfolio? And Cider still has us super excited even if it's not just all the the sexy uh, bits of it that we yeah. like to do. And it sounds like you're writing like a Dan Brown like, book, honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mike's going yeah. all day. That's why Mike does the marketing. Yeah. So, like, yeah. you know, in the middle of, like, just whipping myself in the back, I'm like, yeah, clean cider. That's the next thing uh, we could do here. And, uh, it's a little self-flagellation, but, you know, yeah. we're making it out. Between yeah, flages. <laughs> yeah. But I'm, I'm genuinely bummed uh matt 
couldn't have put it better. Like I'm genuinely bummed. I have to get back over there. I I would definitely just let that that baby caramelize. But I I have someone from Portland <laughs> up with me too, so I don't want to um just leave him indefinitely to talk to my friends. No, thanks for um, giving us like an aggressive amount of time. Yeah, I've lost track of it. And that's thank you for I'm taking like, go, thank so. you for taking an aggressive amount of my time. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. giving us. I know. Give I'm it. Oh, give we'll it. give you We're all the taking. time you want. And uh, Matt's not kidding. We're both. We're both, uh, it's so unique, I know, for uh, people to want to vi- travel to Asheville. Um, but uh, you guys, you know, me, me and him are going out on a limb and both really want to go. So, <laughs> you guys, yeah. my girlfriend's going to law school and trying to get me to move with her. Humble and, bag. Um, no, but uh, in terms of places that are making the list, she wants to go to California, which has had like major net like emigration. And I've thrown mm-hmm. out a couple states like I'd be willing to move that are having like massive net immigration. And that's North Carolina, Arizona at the top of the list. Ooh. So we'll see and what happens. And you got to that answer from the Robinson Code, which is yeah. an equally convoluted. <laughs> 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 Where's everybody out. moving? Where are the opportunities? Where's everybody moving? North Carolina, number four this year, baby. Yeah. Um, hey, baby. She might be applying to school in North Carolina. I'll talk to you boys soon. I love you. Heck yeah. yeah. Love um, you too. Love you guys. Great you talking to you guys. So and we'll uh, do as we do, you know, send you guys some beer about like two weeks too late. So it'll be here um, by 20, <laughs> quarter one, 2023. Yeah. Uh, but hope to oh, talk to both of yeah. you soon. True, truly, this was uh, an absolute blast. I could be here for another two hours. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. It's been two hours. I'm so sorry. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. I just have to edit it, so it's fine. <laughs> I'm in the mood to be slow and careful. My body's ready for a mountain climb All of a sudden it will all become lovely The flower that opens in the morning